worshiping the name of Jesus. Uh, my name is uh, Drew Smith, and I get to be the, the pastor here at College Hill Presbyterian Church. And I too want to just add my words of welcome to those here with us physically or those with us online. Because we're on a, a journey here looking um, at Jesus through the eyes of Mark. Uh, Mark is one of the uh, followers of Jesus. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were the first four books of the New Testament. And it's four of Jesus' followers who shared their stories and uh, their understanding of who Jesus was. And we're looking particularly at the first half of Mark and during the course of September and October. And today we'll look particularly at, at power. Jesus' power. You know, power is mesmerizing to us human beings. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, just this week, we had um, uh, a neighbor tear up their driveway and put in a new one. You know, and it just drew the neighborhood there because they had big machines that came in and dug up all the old asphalt and smoothed it out in like 90 minutes. You know, and we gathered and watched this happen. You know, we, we gathered and talked about it afterwards. Uh, some of us because we now have driveway envy, but that's another sermon. But with, you, you know how when there's big expressions of power, we, we're gathered there. You know, like when the shuttle takes off, you know, that the rockets take off. We see that and people gather still today to watch this powerful event. Uh, or uh, folks still gather at Niagara Falls just to, to marvel at the power of the waters. It cascades and rumbles and roars and crashes with such beauty. And, and Jesus is the same. That, that, that power of Jesus uh, also uh, c- connects with us in some ways. And, we, and I think it's because we, we get to see things that are bigger than us. And we know there's, there's something more powerful, that indeed God is great and we are small. And any time we see that power, we're drawn to it. And that's what we'll look at uh, today. The, the implications of that power, the reality of that power, the implications and our participation in it. Particularly for those that are followers of Jesus and also those that are not. Uh, those that are seeking Him. Uh, what does Jesus' power mean to all of us? Um, Mark chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Um, it's on page 837 in your pew Bible if you want to follow along there. But let's, uh, or you can follow along on the screen. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, we do give you thanks again for your written word as it speaks to us and teaches us your truth. And so we offer ourselves now to hear from you uh, to, so that it will impact our, our lives, that we will receive indeed what you have for us, that your power will be real in our lives and it will be translated into our hands and our feet and our, our mouths and our bodies for your glory and your honor. Speak and lead us, transform us for your glory. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Mark chapter 2 starting with verse 1. And when he, Jesus, returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they'd made an opening... They let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. 
Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed and go home. And and he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. So that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the first thing we see in this story is that Jesus' power draws a crowd. We talked about this last week, that Jesus is good news, that he embodies good news. He is God with us. And we find out from Jesus that God comes not throwing, not trying to catch us doing wrong and throwing thunderbolts at us, but that God comes in healing power. God comes in compassion and mercy, wanting to give forgiveness to all who will come to him. This is good news. And when he's there, when he's speaking that and he's acting in that, the crowds just gather all around around him. The the paralytic and his four buddies, they're there because they know Jesus, maybe, maybe there's a glimmer of hope. There's some element of faith, just enough faith to get them there, to to be there, to to get with Jesus, to, to know, is this true? Is God really among us? Is this true? Does God really care? Is this true? Does God love me? Is God real? And, and they, they, they gather there. The crowd gets bigger. These five, these, there's four friends and one guy that's paralyzed. And they're somehow carrying him to, to Jesus. So, so they're all in here. They're, they're, they are believing. They have some hope that Jesus can do something for their friends. Now, uh, in the, these, uh, um, these are, some of these stories of Mark are, are fun just to imagine a little bit. Because Mark doesn't give us a lot of details here. But um, he, he tells us these four are carrying this paralytic. Not exactly sure how. There's some mat, maybe some homemade stretcher. And, and then they get there. They can't see him. and They can't get to Jesus. They, they've, who knows how far they've traveled. Um, uh, and somehow they scale the house. Now, this is what maybe a first century house would, would look like. Um, uh, not necessarily huge, but you see what the roof is made of. You know, it's made of thatch, you know, and straw and mud and rocks. And so somehow there, you can imagine a crowd there. They worked their way in. Somehow they, who knows? It's probably a comedy of errors getting on the, maybe, maybe even dropped him once or twice as they're trying to get up there. And then they get on top. And the word here actually that, that they, they dig through the roof. Which is literally the case. They had to dig through the roof. And, and I even wonder, What's going on in the house? Because they got to hear what's going on. And eventually some of that is going to start all kinds of need. And what we see here, though, is that Jesus' power also requires our participation. That Jesus' power means we got to show up. 
These, these four men had to activate, let their faith, so whatever level of faith they had, even if it was just a little bit, they had to let their faith lead to action. They had to grab their friend and put him in whatever it is and get him there and then do all that they needed to to get him in front of Jesus. I, I think th- these four, these five, they're a perfect, they're a wonderful picture of the church. This is what the church is about, man. We, we're out there. We're talking to folks. We're sharing with them the love of Jesus. Hey, come, come on. Let, let's go check out Jesus. Yeah, I had that problem too. And Jesus led me into healing. I, I've received his forgiveness. You, you too can have this. You know, come, we've heard great stuff. We've experienced great stuff. Come on. Let's go. That's the, this is a great picture of the church. Don't just sit in the house. Invite others to join you. Bring them with us. Don't just sit in the house. As we're starting up growth groups and Bible studies this week. Don't just sit in the house, growth groups and Bible studies. Be engaged with those around you. Invite them. Bring them. Let in, Encourage them to come. Share your stories of what you're learning, of how Jesus' power is real in your life. Don't just check things off to learn things in your head. Encourage, support one another, and invite others to come on board. Jesus' power requires our participation. And you know what? There are people in the world around us who are curious. Now, we talked about this last week, you know, that there are a lot of people that have a lot of misperceptions of the church. And some of them have been hurt by the church. And, you know, some of our headlines have not been good. They've been atrocious. They have been, they have besmirched the character of Jesus instead of honoring him. But there are still people who are drawn to his power. They know there's something more than what they see. And we are the ones who've experienced that power. And we are the ones that Jesus sends out to invite them, to bring them in, to encounter him with with us. And I know this is the case. This is several years ago now, I think about five years ago, that a a church in the city um, who's very much on board, man, this is what we've got to to be about. And they, they actually hired six people to be secret shoppers. Said, well, they paid them to come to church. Now, they, they didn't want people in the church. They wanted people outside the church. And they said, I want, we want you to come. We want you to attend. And we're going to pay you to come. We're going to pay you for your time. Because then afterwards, we're going to find out what, what, what uh, communicated to you. You know, what was a turnoff to you? What, what, how did you experience this? You know, and so they sat down with them, each one of them for like 30, 45 minutes, um, to find out. The, and, and what they found was that a number of them were really curious and they had positive things. And, wow, I never knew this. I never knew that. Um, th- this isn't anything that I expected. But what was most interesting to me, I think it was two of them. Two of them said, you know, I saw somebody when I attended that I know. They, they, they might have been a coworker or, or one of them was like a neighbor. And the people that were the secret shoppers were like, how come they were keeping this from me? How come they didn't tell me that they came to this church? How come they didn't even tell me they were churchgoers? They were mad that they didn't have enough of a relationship to engage with them and to share them. So what that is good news is that there are people who are curious. Now, uh, there are people who are wondering And we get to be the people to engage 
with them. Now, I uh, uh, asked uh, Bill Shy to share a story with us. And Bill can only be in one service since he's teaching Sunday school um, uh, in the second service. So we, he made a little homemade video for us to just tell us, hey, who was the, who were the, the, some of the four people that carried you to Jesus? How did the, the church uh, fulfill this role in, in your life? And so this uh, video is him sharing a little bit of that story. Have you ever wondered how God might use an everyday resource like your car to bring others to Christ? Don't slam the door! This was the refrain that my brother, my public school friends, and I heard every Wednesday night from my friend's parents, Mr. or Mrs. Wright, as they dropped us off to Bible Club and then brought us home again. They drove a Plymouth Horizon, which was a compact car with very light doors, but more about that later. I was raised in a Chicago, Southside Irish Catholic neighborhood in the 70s, on the tail end of the baby boomer era. My family attended the local Catholic church, but we attended the local public school. I remember feeling sad and rejected when I was not accepted at the local Cub Scouts pack, because priority was given to Catholic church and Catholic school attendees. There were a lot of kids in my neighborhood. Fortunately, a public school friend from a local non-denominational church invited me to their Awana club, where I heard the gospel regularly, learned a lot of scripture, and had a great time forgetting all about the fact that I was not allowed to be a Cub Scout. The Wrights faithfully made the rounds from October through April, shuttling us to the weekly Awana club gatherings. And in reality, they brought us to Christ. Several of us became Christians through that ministry because of their faithful service commitment and act of love toward us as outsiders. My brother and I were often totally wound up at the end of a great night of Awana Club, and we would exit the Wright's lightweight car doors using the typical force it took us to close our family's heavy station wagon doors. Slam, boom, don't slam the door, were nearly always the sounds that ended those great evenings. How grateful we were that my friend, his parents, and the Iwana Club volunteers cared enough to keep open doors that we needed while others were firmly closed. If you found this story inspiring in any way, I happen to know that Colleen Scheid is still looking for drivers to help get kids to our weekly WizKids tutoring program on Tuesday late afternoon and early evening. You too could be a door opener for Christ. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. And I love just the product placement that was right there. Shameless plug for sure. Now, some of you here, online, here, you're, you're just here checking it out. You're just here checking out Jesus. You're, you don't consider yourself one of the, the, the faithful, but just someone that's inquiring. And you're welcome. Glad glad you're here. You're welcome for as long as you want to uh, to stay and love to continue to talk to you further. And we as a church, we apologize that sometimes we're too timid and we don't invite you in. And then on the other hand, sometimes we're overzealous and we beat you up with the Bible. We're We're sorry. We're we are incomplete. We are not uh, fully formed into the character and the commands of Jesus just yet. But we have found in him a healing power that, is, that brings peace to body and soul. And we do want to share that with you. 
And what we see in this particular story uh, is that in order to participate in this power, it doesn't take very much. It just means getting to Jesus. You know, the, the, the paralytic, the guy that was paralyzed, I mean, wasn't a lot he could do to get there. And uh, who knows what he's feeling as he's being li- dropped down or l- not dropped, but just slowly released down uh, to the floor in front of Jesus. Maybe it's wild excitement. Maybe it's terrible embarrassment. Who, who knows? But he's there. And his friends have brought him there. He didn't have to clean anything up. He didn't have to change his life. He didn't have to learn some set of doctrines, check anything off. He just came to Jesus. And that is what Jesus invites all of us to. To simply come to him. His his most common invitation, as we'll see in Mark's we saw last week. Follow me. Just come hang with, y'all hang with me and you will be formed by my commands and my character into the ways that, of, that God has created us to live. So the, the, the point here is continue to follow him, continue to check out Jesus and, and engage with others who have experienced his healing power. Come, come be a part of one of the Bible studies or one of the growth groups. Come jump into that. You're, you're welcome to, to participate and learn about Jesus with us. Because what we believe, not only does Jesus' power draw a crowd, not only does Jesus' power re- require our participation, but that Jesus' power brings healing. And that's what we see in this story. Jesus brings healing to soul and to body. And it it is funny to to consider just for a moment, you know, that so these guys have done all this work. Who knows how far they've been carrying this guy. Now they've got him up on the roof, put him down. He's in front of Jesus. And Jesus, what does Jesus do? One, one, one powerful thing is he sees their faith. That's another thing. Just another thing to remember is your faith being seen. You know, he sees their faith. Faith is not just mental assent. Faith is something that we live. And he sees it, and then he turns to the guy. And, and so, and he's looking at him, he's about to talk to him. The guy's up on the, the roof, they're like, yes, this is it. And he says, your sins are forgiven. What do you think those guys on the roof, you think they started rejoicing at that? Or they're like, no, it's his legs. It's his legs. You know, take care of his legs and his arm. Who knows where they are? But Jesus then, and with purpose, it will get into, he's, your sins are forgiveness, are, are, are forgiven. And, and, you know, talk to a number of, of, of counselors and, uh, and, and study and counseling. That, that, that comes to the fore as ultimately the, the, the largest need for human beings. Because we are flawed. We are broken. We disobey the the good things that God wants us to do. And we are fraught with regret for things we didn't do that we should have done. And guilt for things that we did do that we should not have done. And then, in our human way, we try to address that in all different kinds of ways. We try to deny it. And that takes a lot of energy. We try to justify ourselves. No, I did this for good reason. Um, and it's really their fault. And we blame others. We, we spend a lot of time and energy in self-medicating. 
in distracting ourselves. We get lost in work. We get lost in pleasure. We get lost in, in something else besides addressing our own brokenness. And Jesus knows that is at the core of what we need. We need to, to stop spending the, the, carrying the burden of the guilt and regret and trying somehow to address it instead of just openly coming to Jesus and saying, I am a sinner, I fall short, these are my sins, I am selfish, I'm all about me, I'm even been lying and hiding and all the rest, but Lord, I come to you with all of this. And Jesus says, you are forgiven. Yeah, you're a helpless paralytic. You are forgiven. That's what Jesus wants to bring all of us. That's the, the reason for his life, his death, his resurrection. And we'll get to all those details later. But even at this point, Jesus has the power to forgive your sin and my sin. And as Kevin shared earlier, as he read from First John, you know, we confess our sins. God is faithful and just to forgive us. So Jesus shows us that. And if, if you are one who's with us today and you've never said, God, I... I I confess my sin to you. I, I, I want your forgiveness. Make that today. Be the day. That right now, you're calling out to God, saying, God, forgive me for my sins. And God is a God of his word. And what he says, he will do. And at the conclusion of the service, we'll have folks that you can pray with and pray for, and they'd love to pray with you in that vein and in that um, direction. Because Jesus' power brings healing. And he brings healing to our deepest needs. But also brings healing to uh, other needs as well. And that's one of the powerful um, events that happens here. I mean, you, and you, you got what, what was going on there with, with Jesus. There were people that were like, wait a minute, you can't forgive sins. He goes, okay, you don't believe I can forgive sins. Well, which is easier, your sins are forgiven, or to tell this man who's never walked, you can walk. So I'm telling him he can walk and I'm telling him that he can walk and I'm going to let him walk. Now I'm going to heal his, uh, his physical ailment so that you know I do have the power to heal your very soul. Because, and I've seen that too. I've seen people who had cancer one day. The pictures were there. The doctors were sure. The um, surgery was scheduled and they went in and their cancer was gone. And we praise the Lord for God's healing. I know plenty of people who've had cancer um, and they've been diagnosed. They've had surgery. They've had radiation. And it, through all those means, God healed them. And we praise the Lord. I know other people who've had cancer and they went through all the surgeries and the procedures and all the rest. And they died and they got healed when they saw Jesus face to face. So I, I believe, I know God has the power to heal. But God's timing is not my timing, nor ours. And that's part of the, the, the mystery of the complexity of our world. But we have experienced all of those and we trust in God, God's healing power, physically, spiritually, for our whole body, mind, and spirit. Jesus' power brings healing. Jesus' power also brings opposition. Did you catch that? At the end, the religious leaders, the scribes, they were there. They saw what had happened and they're like, wait a minute, only God can do that. And Jesus says, that's who I am. Verse, verse 10, I think is actually the most important verse in the passage. Verse 10, he answers the religious leaders of the day who have said, that's blasphemy to say you can forgive sins. And then Jesus says, which is easier, forgive sins or tell them to rise. 
but in verse 10 he says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise up, pick up your mat and walk. Now, here, Jesus is using language that they would have been very familiar with. People in the first century would have known because it was the Hebrew scriptures. The son of man was one of the ways of talking about God coming among them, about the Messiah coming, the anointed one coming. It's a way of saying he is the goat, except not how we use goat. You know, we use goat as greatest of all time. This is Jesus' way of saying, I am the God of all time. Jesus is the goat. And he wants them to know that he has the power and authority to forgive sins. But the religious leaders didn't like that. See, it, it, it made them uncomfortable. They, they were very comfortable in their set understanding of how God worked. They were protected because according to their set understanding of how God worked, they were okay. And they didn't want to rock that boat. They didn't want things to change. They had their system and it worked well for them. And Jesus is threatening their system. He's threatening their traditions. He's threatening their comfort. This is another word to the church. This is another word to those of us who are uh, call ourselves faithful to following Jesus. We are usually the people that relate more closely to the religious leaders than anybody else. And when we read, as we're walking through Mark, and we read about the religious leaders, we need to read that with a critical eye and say, hmm, do I play into that? Do we play into that? Do we act like that? Sometimes I think we as the church, myself included, I don't reach out to others because I'm comfortable. I'm protected. I'm good. Why rock the boat? Maybe some of you have the same kind of experience. Maybe when I challenged growth groups and uh, Bible studies, you know, to be inviting. Don't just stay in the, the house, but be inviting others. You'd be praying with one another and, and strategizing together. How do we invite others to come and participate in this? Maybe that makes you uncomfortable. Maybe it's threatening. Uh, Jesus' power can make us uncomfortable. We can even oppose Jesus' power as religious people. And what we'll see as we walk through Mark, that Jesus was regularly drawing a crowd. But with church folks, with religious leaders, he was often picking a fight. I think that's what he was doing here. I think he healed in this order because he wanted to teach the, the, the scribes and Pharisees know this is who I am. I'm not just a nice teacher. I'm not just a traveling healer. I am God in the flesh and I have power and authority to forgive sins. This system that's been created, it was, it served its time and it's ready to let it go. This is now the way we're going to go. So good warning. That Jesus' power at times can bring opposition. And we, as the religious folks, we got to be careful that in our comfort and in our own healing, we don't keep it for ourselves. We get out of the house and we share it with others and invite others to come as well. We have experienced Jesus' healing power in our lives. 
and forgiveness and in so many other provisions and blessings that are too numerous to name. And we give praise and glory and honor to God for that. And now he's challenging us as well in that power to live in that power and share that power with others so that they may know the same. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, uh, we do give you uh, praise and honor for your power, your healing power in our lives and in the life of our world. And we, we know we come before you every um, day uh, glorifying you and recognizing that power. And we ask your, your healing power to be at work. Uh, we pray particularly in, uh, with our brothers and sisters in Pakistan who are experiencing horrific flooding. And destruction. We pray your, your hand of, of provision um, upon them. We pray for your church to be people who are continuing to live in your healing and your strength and inviting others to do the same, even in the midst of such destruction. We, we pray the same on the opposite end of the waterfront for those who are experiencing horrific drought in, in um, uh, sub-Saharan Africa and in western United States and drought and, and, fly, and uh, fires. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Jackson, Mississippi who are also uh, dealing with issues of water and their water system. Um, Lord, we, we pray for each uh, of them your provision and your care for their basic need of, of water and health and we we ask too for each one that the those that are your followers they would be participants in your power and healing they would be uh, at ease with you trusting in you and sharing with others and lord we we lift up um uh, the ourselves to you as well in the church we we pray for those in need of your the power of your healing uh, we, we pray for relationships uh, that in need of reconciliation in, in the church and family and our workplace. We, we pray for the physical needs uh, among us. We continue to pray for, for uh, Gio, um, the, the uh, newborn of uh, Jesse and Morgan. Uh, we, we pray for your healing hand upon Gio's heart. Uh, we, we pray for your continued healing for Cheryl Merrihue. Um, uh, for um, a, a ball, Charles, we pray your your healing hand upon them, and uh, we pray your peace upon their their families. They trust um, in you and know your your healing um, is um, upon each one. And we lift these uh, concerns and others that, that come to our mind, Lord, and we we pray particularly for us as a church too, as we experience the power of your healing. Empower us then to share that with others so that others may encounter you, Jesus, and receive healing of body and soul. All for your glory and honor. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.